Thank you, Brother Terry, and thank you, praise team, and our choir, and thank all of you for taking part in our worship time this morning. Let me uh, just remind you again to take the, your prayer guides home and, and uh, use those to pray for our missionaries. This, this uh, is a very special time for them. This offering that we'll receive uh, for Sunday in this month um, will go toward, um, all of it goes to our international missionaries but it will be at least half uh, of their budget that they'll need. So this is an important offering. And so we'll have our march to the manger uh, the fourth Sunday. And so I'll remind you from time to time about that. This morning I'm going to be sharing a sermon entitled Elements of Forgiveness. Matthew, we'll look at Matthew chapter 18. And as we... As I shared this morning, we began reading verse 21 through 35. Um, I feel that God would, there's so many things I could share this morning. We could talk about Advent, and that's really important. And our week of prayer, uh, so important, a week of prayer. But since the 1st of September, we've been, uh, I've been preaching and teaching about revival. And I want to continue that theme this morning. I want us to kind of continue to march forward in preparing to experience a genuine revival and, and all that that means. We've learned recently different phrases of uh, experiencing revival and spiritual awakening. I taught that on Sunday night through Fresh Encounter. We've, re we've learned that God is on mission to redeem a lost world to himself. He began that mission years and years ago he knew mankind would rebel against him and so he provided a way of redemption for mankind through his son Jesus and so God has been on mission through eternity past to redeem a lost world to himself and then he calls a people along beside him to assist him in this mission and then God's people began to depart from him for whatever reasons. And when they begin to depart, God begins to discipline his people to bring them back to him until they cry out to him for help. And then after they cry out to him, God drops a plumb line. Now, you're familiar with a plumb, uh, carpenter's tool, a plumb line, is to make sure the walls are straight. God drops his plumb line, which is his word, right down the middle of our lives to see if we're out of plumb to his word, if we're departed from him and how we've departed from him. And so he uses his word as this plumb line to let the people know, his people know that they have departed. And when God shows his people in his word where they have departed, well, then they repent and come back to him or they perish. Now, the word perish doesn't mean uh, they lose their salvation, anything like that. That simply means they're no use to him. He can't use them until they repent and come back to him. And he just sets them aside. If they repent, well, then that's revival. And then after revival comes a spiritual awakening when God's people get revived but then you'll see a large number of lost people come to know Christ. Last Sunday night, we began watching um, 
some videos or a video and God showed us how his people depart from him in regards to broken relationships versus unity in the body. And we found out so much about broken relationships and how that affects our walk with the Lord to the point that we discovered it's spiritually impossible to be right with God while at the same time to be wrong with a brother. Now if you say I'm right with God and I'm wrong with my brother, that's spiritually impossible. You cannot be right with God and at the same time be wrong with someone else. And Jesus gave us a new commandment in John 13, 34. He says, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Verse 35 says, by these, by this or by these things, shall people know that you're my disciples because you have love one for another. So the point being, the way you know that you have departed from God is how you treat your brother or sister in Christ. So you cannot be right with God and wrong with your brother. And so I want us to continue that thought on last week's video message by Henry Blackerby about broken relationship versus unity in the body. As I share a message about elements of forgiveness. So if you would, uh, out of respect for God's word, his inspired, inerrant, infallible word, please stand as we read, or as I read, you follow along Matthew 18, verses 21 and following. Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall, I, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. In other words, an unlimited amount you're to forgive. Therefore, verse 23, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one of them brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had, and that payment be made. And the servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, I will pay you all. And then the master of that servant was moved with compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So this fellow servant fell down at his feet and he begged him saying, have patience with me and I'll pay you all. And he would not, but he went, he threw himself, he threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. And so when the fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very greedy, and they came and they told their master all that had been done. 
And then the master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry, and he delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. And so my heavenly Father also will do to you, to each of you from his heart, does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity to come and worship you today. And now, Father, to take your word, to open the book, and allow you to speak to our hearts. Help us, we pray, to examine our lives, allow your Holy Spirit to reign free in our life, our heart and mind, and then be obedient to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. In February of 1979, a movement that was led by Ayatollah Khomeini, a Shiite Muslim cleric, he sought to overthrow the Shah of Iran. Some of you remember this. Some of you perhaps weren't even born. And that was in February. In October that same year, the Shah came to the United States for medical help. And then in November, November of 1979, terrorists took over the American embassy and held 52 American, Americans hostage at that embassy. And the terrorists demanded from the U.S. the release of the Shah. If their demands were met, they would release their hostages. And so the message was, if you give us what we want, we're going to give what we've taken from you. So in a hostage situation, there's always some type of condition. There's always some type of ransom. So the point is this. When we refuse to forgive others for a wrong that's done to us, we're saying basically the same thing. But instead of holding people hostage until we get our demands met, we withhold our love, our acceptance, our respect, our kindness, our patience, our joy, our goodness, our long-suffering, and our gentleness. And the message we give to those that we're withholding these things from is until I feel that you've repaid me for the wrong done to me, you won't get back what I've taken from you. And so the question is this this morning. Are you a Christian terrorist? Are you holding hostage your love and your joy and your patience and your respect and your acceptance, your gentleness, your kindness from someone, from someone who has done wrong to you? So the point is this, if Mountain View Baptist Church, as a body of Christ, if we're going to continue to be blessed by God and experience genuine revival and experience a spiritual awakening, we must understand the need for forgiveness. So first of all, what is forgiveness? What's forgiveness? Forgiveness, you might want to write this down, one of the best definitions I've ever, that I've ever found. Forgiveness is an act of setting someone free from an obligation to you that is the result of a wrong done to you. Let me say that again. Forgiveness is an act of setting someone free from an obligation to you that is a result of a wrong done to you. 
It's when you free your debtor of his obligation to pay back what he owes. And you may be thinking this morning, well, Brother Sammy, I don't need to forgive anybody. I don't know anybody that I need to forgive. Well, this morning, let's take the unforgiving person forgiveness, unforgiveness test. Let's take a test and see if we're an unforgiving person or not. First of all, if you can't stand to be around certain people, you have a problem with unforgiveness. If you want to strike out at people when certain subjects are discussed, then you have a problem with unforgiveness. If you lose your temper over little things, you have a problem with unforgiveness. If you struggle with the guilt over your past, then you have a problem with unforgiveness. You're not forgiving yourself. Or if you find yourself hating people that you should be loving the most, then you have a problem with unforgiveness. If any of those things, perhaps other things, apply to you, then you're a Christian terrorist holding hostage certain elements of the Christian faith until your demands are met by those people who have hurt you, said something to hurt you, done something to you, and you and I, this church, will never experience revival until we set free our hostages and free our debtors of the obligation that they owe to us. We feel they owe to us. Then and only then can you and I pray sincerely, Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, there are three elements to forgiveness. I want to mention those to you. First of all, in order to forgive a person, there must be an injury. An injury. There's an injury. Something that causes pain. Something that causes hurt. Now, I want you to notice in this parable that Jesus taught, a king went out to sell his accounts of his servants. Now, notice this king goes out, and he found a person that owed him 10,000 talents. Some say that would be equivalent to $10 million in our money today. He had no way to pay. Did you see that? No way to pay. Just think of that. Someone owes you $10 million, has no way to pay. You go to collect, he has no way to pay. Think of that loss. Think what the king was going through. Think of that mental pain. Think of the mental anguish. Think of the emotional stress that this king was going through. $10 million, 10,000 talents. The guy has no way to pay. He was injured. Has someone injured you? Has someone injured you? Maybe a family, maybe a family member? said something or did something, a member of your family, a brother, sister, aunt, uncle, mom or dad or child, have they done something to you that's really angered you, and not only angered you, but it hurts you? You see, you're not necessarily mad, but you're just hurt. A family member, a friend, a classmate, been bullied, an employer, employee, a co-worker, maybe 
even a Christian brother or sister said something or did something that really hurt? Has someone ever spoken a word that really, the old saying, just pricked to your bone? Or the old saying, has someone done something that just cut straight through to your heart? And it hurts so bad. Perhaps you're sitting here this morning or you're watching on TV, uh, on Facebook or YouTube, and you're hurting, and you're really breaking on the inside because of a pain that's been brought to you by either word or deed, by a friend or a parent or a child or a spouse or even a brother and sister in Christ. So in order to forgive, the first has to be an injury. First element, there must be an injury. Second element, there must be a debt resulting from the injury. Now notice what happened here. This servant owed this king 10,000 talents. This king added up before he went how much he owed him. Let me ask you this. Have you ever added up what your debtor owes you? Have you just calculated that person that spoke a word or did a had done a deed, said something, hurt you? Have you ever added up what they owed you? Maybe you added up, they owe you an apology. Or they owe you a smile. Or they owe you respect. Or they owe you acceptance. Years ago, there was a person in our church family, years and years ago, and... Uh, and he got where he would he wouldn't shake hands with me. I was his pastor, and he would bypass me. He wouldn't shake hands with me. He just, I don't know, he just wouldn't do it. And I calculated that the least thing he could do is shake hands with me. <laughs> I mean, after all, I was his pastor. He was a member of our church. At least he could shake hands with me. So I calculated that, that he owed me, he, he owed me a handshake. Have you calculated what someone owes you? There's always a debt resulting from an injury. So the point is, what have you calculated that your debtor owes you? So you have three elements. You have, first of all, there must be an injury. Then there must be a debt resulting from the injury, this calculation made. And then third and finally, there must be a cancellation of the debt in order to have forgiveness or be a forgiven person. Now, this man in the parable had no way of paying that debt of 10,000 talents. He said, don't have it, verse 25. And then the master said, okay, if you don't have it, I'm going to order your wife and your children to be sowed to pay the debt. And then in verse 26, his servant fell on his knees and he begged for patience until he could pay the debt. And then verse 27, the master, the Bible says, took pity on him and released him and forgave his debt, canceled his debt. Now make a note of this. You need to really remember this. The real loser is not the one who commits the debt, but the one who refuses to forgive the debt. That's the loser. It's not the one who owes you, but it's you who for, refuses to forgive the debt. You say, well, how's that, Brother Sammy? Let me tell you why it's so much worse on those who for, refuse to forgive. 
unforgiveness prevents you from following through certain specifics of the Christian life. Unforgiveness prevents you from following through certain specifics of the Christian life. When someone injures you, do you show them kindness or do you show them retribution? When someone injures you, are you gentle or do you let them have it with some words? When someone injures you, do you just give in or do you fight back? Now, to be honest with ourselves, we'd have to say most of us, I believe, would respond in a negative way. However, Paul shows us how negative responses impair or damages our walk with God. Look, if you will, at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And look at verse 22 through 23. Now remember, I said the real loser is not the one who commits the debt, but the one who refuses to forgive the debt. Why is that? Because unforgiveness prevents us from following through with certain specifics of the Christian life. Look what Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, if you have the Holy Spirit working in you, producing fruit, here are the fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace and long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against there's no There's no law. Now, the fruit of the Spirit are those things, if you notice, the fruit of the Spirit are those things that we withhold from those that we refuse to forgive. Love and gentleness and kindness. Self-control. Those are the things, the fruit of the Spirit are the things that we're refusing and we're withholding from those who have heard us through word or through deed. Now, so look at verse verse 19. Those are the fruit of the Spirit. Look at the deeds of the law. Verse 19, chapter 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outburst of wrath, selfish, selfish ambitions, dissensions, and heresies, envies, and murders. It goes on and on. Those are the works of the flesh. And then you have the works of the Spirit. And so when you refuse to forgive, that refusal to forgive hinders you from living in the Spirit and showing forth the works of the Spirit. You cannot live in the spirit and in the flesh at the same time. It's impossible to do that. And so, unforgiveness prevents us from walking in the spirit. And if you're not walking in the spirit, you cannot cannot walk in the flesh, you cannot walk in the spirit at the same time. And if you're not walking in the spirit, you're not pleasing to God. So the big question is this. How do I forgive? Let me share this with you real quick. How do I forgive? First of all, understand God in His grace, His mercy, His love forgave you. That's the first thing you have to understand. How can I forgive Terry? He's hurt me. He said something 
that really hurt or he did something that really hurt. I'm just, not really, I'm just using an example. Now, how do I forgive him? First of all, I've got to realize that God in his mercy and his love forgave me. You see, I rebelled against God. I'm a sinner. And when I rebelled against God, that broke God's heart. And I rebelled against him. And so, there was an injury. I injured God by rebelling. I broke his heart. Then there was a calculation. God made the calculation. Since you broke my heart, since you sinned against me, the wages of sin is death. Physical death, spiritual death. And so God required mankind to die, physically and spiritually. Why was that? Because he broke his heart. You sinned against him. You rebelled against him. And God calculated and said, okay, this is what you owe me. And so then there was a cancellation to the debt. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In Romans 10, 13, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's a cancellation of the debt. And so we remember this. This is what you have to remember. We can forgive. We can forgive. So the big question is, are you a Christian terrorist withholding the fruit of the Spirit from those who have injured you by word or action? You've calculated they owe me an apology. They owe me respect. They owe me a smile. They owe me a handshake. And until I get that, I'll withhold this from them. So today, if that's the case, today you need to cancel the debt of the obligation you feel is owed to you. Until you do that, you cannot live in the Spirit because you're continuing to live in the flesh. So what I do, Brother Samuel, well, you need to come today with your hurt and with your pain and with your brokenness and forgive those who have hurt you as Christ has forgiven you. That's what we do. And that's what we are to do. Then and only then can you truly pray, Lord, forgive me of my sins as I forgive those who have sinned against me. Forgive me of my debts as I forgive my debtors. And so today you have a choice. You forgive and you experience all this freedom. You go in the grocery store, you don't have to go down a different aisle. Your enemy is going down. You've forgiven them. How they react to that is up to them. But you know you've done in your heart what God wants you to do. You don't have to skip a corner when you're facing someone. You can say, hey, how are you doing? You've forgiven them. Those who refuse to forgive and walk in the flesh, cannot be in the Spirit at the same time. I learned something, and uh, I believe it was 2015. As you drive around the exit out there to, to go out of the church parking lot, you see this little tombstone. You probably have read it. And I believe it was in 2015, 2014. Our church did a, um, a Bible study, an intense Bible study for about eight or ten weeks on forgiveness. And there's a tombstone out there that says, we, we choose to forgive. And we had a special service where we put all of our hurt and our pain and we buried that freedom, placed those in a coffin 
and carried it out there and we buried our unforgiveness. And I drive past that tombstone and I remember the commitment I made regardless what people may say or do to me, I'm to forgive them. And there's one thing that we learned in all that. Christians forgive. I say that in love, but it's what the Bible teaches. Christians forgive. Let's have a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. It's been a hard word. Sometimes your words are hard to digest. But Father, as a believer, we accept your word, the infallible, the inspired, the inerrant word of God. We believe with all of our heart that it's your word. And you tell us in your word to forgive. I can't imagine you hanging on the cross and looking up to heaven after nailed to that cross and say, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. It's tough at times, but it's what you want us to do. Help us to be in the spirit and not walk in the flesh. In Jesus' name, amen.